bring Missouri forward because Wisconsin has cheese, Washington has apples, you know, all these other states have these things. We don't. Yeah. And we don't for the state for making meth. That's about it. <laughs> and Budweiser. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Sauce on Beer, Burn Barbecue. I'm your host, Kevin, joined here by Alex. What's up, Alex? Hey, Kevin. How's it going? And we have a exciting uh, guest to interview today. Uh, we're here with Jonathan Heslip of Rockwood Charcoal, um, our local, but from what I've learned in the past few minutes, not just local to St. Louis, but you're everywhere, Jonathan. Is that correct? All, all 50 states, yeah. Okay, okay. So, Jonathan, thanks for having us, first of all. Um, I know I've been a big user of your product for a couple years. Um, you make a good charcoal, a really good charcoal. Um, and so we just want to learn about your company, learn about what makes good charcoal, all that kind of stuff, um, and kind of go from there. So how did you get into the whole charcoal game? Like, I mean, it was the the wrong place at the right time or vice versa, however you want to describe it. I was... I was bored with my job. Uh, I'll tell you what I did. I was an air ambulance pilot, and everybody says I need more excitement in my life. How can you go from? Being, I mean, I was can, just thinking that. Like, how can you go from being a helicopter pilot to selling charcoal? Well, um, growing up, I, my dad had a big green egg when I was when I was young. It, nobody knew what they were. They were two hundred and ninety nine dollars with all the accessories, and people made fun of us for what we spent on that thing. But you had to have lump charcoal to to use the big green egg, and that was kind of unknown back in the nineties. Uh, everybody used the briquettes, and uh, they, it just hadn't come back yet. So uh, it was kind of hit or miss where you could find lump charcoal in St. Louis, and I found this brand that I really liked. They had it over Global Foods and Kirkwood, and every time we saw it there, we'd buy all of it, and then it would disappear, and we'd never get it again. So I knew it was made somewhere down around Steelville, but I could never get these people on the phone or anything like that. Well, uh, got married, moved out, and my dad bought, of course, bought me a big green egg for a wedding present. And I really started trying to find this charcoal because now I'm using that egg every single night. And I was uh, airlifting a patient out of Steelville helipad one evening, an uh, ATV accident, and I lift up the helicopter over the trees and I start to accelerate and I look down. There's the charcoal plant. Mm. I can recognize the bags down on the dock. So <laughs> I couldn't circle to find out how to get back there because this guy's dying. So I marked the coordinates on the GPS, and I found my way down there the next day. I got off in, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, and I drove down there, and I found my way to this, this charcoal plant. I, I mean, it's a good way to find something. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, but I would never have guessed that about your start for this. I mean, that's just crazy. Um, yeah. So I, I, I go down there and I, I kind of sit around and I didn't want to like venture into the woods here. Cause this is, you know, kind of country where you get self shot doing something uh -huh. like that. So, uh, finally this guy walks out of the woods and yells, what do you want? <laughs> Charcoal. And he says, pull over to the dock. And I started buying this stuff off the dock, dirt cheap, bringing it back. My family wanted some, my coworkers wanted some, my friends had some. So it was all gone. I went back down there the next week, got some more. Next thing I know, I'm going to get more. So I finally uh, go down there, and I said, screw it. I took a, a trailer down there. I took, got a whole pallet of it. And I brought that back, and I had two pallets, in fact. And I put them in the garage, and we had a small two-car garage at that time, and what you guys just saw out in the, in the warehouse here, my DeLorean, yeah. I had that on the other side of the garage. So my wife, she was an ER nurse. She's getting home at like 3 o'clock in the morning. She does, she's mad that she doesn't have a parking spot anymore. 
So she says, get this out of here. I put it on Craigslist. I sold all of it in no time. So I thought I got something here. And that was the, that was the start of it all about uh, 11 years ago. That's, I mean, that's an interesting way to get started. Like, I yeah. mean, to go from ER pi- or helicopter pilot to now yeah. charcoal. That, that's awesome. Um, tell us a little bit about the Rockwood brand. Um, so what happened was, is I was selling this this brand, and uh, that plant got bought up by a national company and closed. It was kind of falling apart, so I lost my source. But I knew this other guy that was down in southern Missouri, and we kind of partnered up together. And that's when, you know, I had retail interest that was going on, and this was about six, seven years ago. And then, so I hired a creative marketing company to start the Rockwood brand. And it was supposed to be kind of this, like, local St. Louis brand, and that's why we did the St. Louis Charcoal Company and 100% Missouri product to really emphasize, because a lot of people don't know this, uh, 80% of the domestic lump charcoal is made here in Missouri. And that's because of all the timber that we've got down in the Mark Twain Forest. That's the best wood. All your Jack Daniels barrels, all the wine barrels from Napa Valley, all that stuff, it all comes out of uh, Salem, Missouri, the, that white oak. And it's just the best hardwood there is. So all the stuff that's too knotty or warped, that goes to the charcoal plants. Okay. And so that, that's why Missouri is so big into charcoal. And this, it was a fantastic. I'm kind of bouncing around here. But uh, the charcoal, the lump charcoal production in the hardwoods in the state is what made this state what it is as far as industrials with the metals and the steel production back in the, uh, the 1800s. So without charcoal, this state would have been a, a very different place. So what we wanted to do with the brand was, was really highlight that with, uh, you know, for St. Louis. And my idea was to put it in about 12 stores or so around town. And uh, it just blew up from there. And you're in how many stores now? In St. Louis, about 75. Outside of St. Louis, by the end of this year, will be available in 10,000 stores in all 50 states. Wow. And you just thought just a few stores here in St. Louis, isn't it? it that it's was the crazy. idea. It was it was something I you know I had a good job out there flying. I mean it was by, back then it was still fun. I mean we were still having a good time, and it was uh, it was just something to do on the side because at work as an air ambulance pilot you just sit around all day and you wait for the phone to ring. If the phone doesn't ring, you don't do anything. So if I was working the nights, I could sleep as much as I could. But if I had to work days, I was always trying to do something. So I said, why not why not make money while I'm here making money. I got four kids. I got so I had I had four jobs for a while. Uh, I had that. I was working part time for Channel Two, Four, and Five, flying for them. And uh, I'm also in real estate. I'm a real estate agent. I was teaching concealed carry classes, and I was also doing this kind of little silly charcoal thing on the side. People made fun of, and that out of that was like the last of them that I thought was going to be successful. And now I've pretty much given everything else up but the real estate, and uh, I do a little bit of that, but it's ninety. Nine percent charcoal now. That's awesome. Yeah, that scales impressive to go from what six, seven years to all fifty states. Uh, just imagining how much charcoal you need just to do that, yeah. and to have had it so fast. So, is it all produced down in Steelville? No, that plant's long gone. Uh, the plant now is down, uh, kind of. It is literally in the middle of nowhere. There's no good way for me to describe how to get down there, but it's down kind of south-central Missouri amongst where all those timber mills are and everything like that. So it's real close to where all the wood comes out of. So, yeah, it it comes out of there, and we get maybe one to two truckloads a week come out of that, the plant, and then they either come up to the main uh, warehouse, which is um, the old GM plant up at Union 70. That's where most of the truckloads come. Some of those truckloads go direct to our uh, various distributors like True Value, 
Uh, we got a truckload this week leaving for True, True Value in uh, Georgia. We had one last week leave for uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, some of them go to Ace Hardware. but And then usually about every th- uh, second or third week, a truckload will come here to Eureka for the St. Louis distribution. And out of this warehouse, we also do all the fulfillment for the online sales on our website and all the Amazon and eBay and all the other sales that we do online. That's awesome. That's awesome. So <clears throat> my... Um... My big question is what I'm really curious about is at, at the start of this year on the show, I, I kind of made a, a New Year's resolution to learn more about barbecue, to try and get more into that. And that's when I first learned about lump charcoal. Um, so I've done a little bit of research, but I, I'm not an expert at all. So I was hoping you could explain what is lump charcoal, why is it different than briquettes, um, what is the big difference there? Oh, good. You said it right. You didn't say what's the difference between lump and charcoal. Everybody, when they think when they say charcoal, they think those briquettes, and those things couldn't be further from the truth from charcoal anymore. So the briquette was popularized by Henry Ford. It wasn't invented by Henry Ford, but he's the one that really brought it into light. He needed a way to get rid of all the sawdust that was on the Model T assembly line. So they took that, all that sawdust, and they compressed it along with other industrial byproduct that he had to pump out those little briquettes. His cousin, E.G. Kingsford, Edward Kingsford of Kingsford, Michigan, was owned tons and tons of land up in northern peninsula, um, Michigan, and that's where they got all the wood for the Model T's. So um, they were producing that as a camping fuel, not necessarily cooking fuel, but a camping fuel. It was small, compact. You could get it wet, you know, and it, it would dry. It was just a good fuel for that, and they'd ship it in the back of the Model T's in a box, and it had the blue Ford Oval on it, Ford charcoal. And once, you know, they started making cars in steel, they eventually spun that company off into Kingsford in the in the 50s. So inside of a briquette now, I mean, it's it's changed so many times and it varies depending on what manufacturer you get it from and it depends on what they've got laying around. But it's usually some combination thereof of sawdust. It can have some charcoal fines in it, uh, the, the stuff that gets sorted out of our lump charcoal uh, or any lump charcoal production, the stuff that's less than an inch or three-quarter inch, that gets ground up into a powder and that can be used for that. Uh, it has borax to get it to release from the presses. It has a starch or a, a dextrose product to bind it together. Um, it can have anthracite coal in it, which is the byproduct of all the power plants right now. They ban those coal fly ash pat, uh, ponds down at like the Merrimack power plant, the Sioux power plant. That company, the Ameren's got to have a way to get rid of that stuff. And they can only sell so much of it and make it into quickcrete. The rest of it's going into charcoal briquettes in some cases. Uh, there can be petroleum in there. Uh, when I mentioned the soft wo- uh, the sawdust, that can be softwood or hardwood. There's really no telling. And it's all produced into this little briquette, then it's fired, and it's bound together, and there it goes. Um, lump charcoal is nothing but wood. There's nothing else in it but, in our case, hardwood. And it can depend on where you get your lump charcoal from, if it's hardwood or softwood. But it should be the only thing in that bag should be it's just wood that's been carbonized. And that's the big difference. And when you so when you get a briquette, uh, just keep in mind, you know, the BTU, you might be able to buy that little bag at the on the holiday weekends at the big box stores for dirt cheap. And there's a reason you can buy it that dirt cheap is because that bag is full of and I f- forgot to mention the other big product that they put a pump in there a lot is limestone. 
put a ton of limestone in those briquettes because it makes them heavy, and they say it turns them white so that you know when to cook on them. Well, I know when to cook on them. They're hot. You know, you don't need to put limestone in there. So it makes, there's a reason that little bag is so heavy. Uh, pick up a 20-pound bag of briquettes and a 20-pound bag of lump, and you'll notice that our bag is almost twice as big, and that's because we don't have limestone in there. So when you get down to the briquettes and you see all that floury ash and everything else that's in there, they produce about 40 to 50% ash content. That's all limestone. That stuff doesn't burn. So the BTU value of a briquette is, in some cases, half of what it lump charcoal is. So you're, very, you're buying a very diluted product. It may be heavy in the bag, but that stuff in the bag is not burning. Think of, it, think of a briquette as the cheap hot dog of the charcoal industry. There's so much filler and other byproduct in there, whereas the lump, you're getting the, the prime the prime steak. <laughs> so what is your lump charcoal made of? Like what trees are you guys using for that? It's, it's anything that comes out of the Mark Twain Forest in the Ozark National Forest down there. So that's mainly oak, white oak, red oak. And as I mentioned before, that we're known in Missouri for the best white oak there is. And then uh, hickory, there can be some pecan, some cherry, some maple, uh, other just wild woods that are coming out of the, of the Mark Twain forest. The only thing that isn't going to come out of there is, is walnut. Walnut's worth so much money that they can sell that somewhere else, and it, it cooks at a different rate and it produces bitter smoke, so we don't use walnut anyway. But mainly oak and hickory, but, yeah, there can be some other woods in there. And that's the difference between buying your lump out of Missouri and buying it out of other foreign countries and things like that. When you and I talked a little bit through emails, you told me, which I didn't even know this was a thing, but there's a difference between U.S. charcoal and European charcoal. And I I mean, I guess the naiveness in me, like I just thought charcoal was charcoal. What is, what is that difference? So the big charcoal producers uh, outside of the U.S., the U.S. produces very little lump charcoal of the, the world's lump charcoal production. I think we're like 2%. It's not much. Uh, most of the lump charcoal that's produced is produced in South America, Africa, Eastern Europe, and then China's starting to get into it as well. And it's more of it. It's an industrial product over there. They, they need it for producing steel and other heating and other things like that. They don't have the electrical grid and things like that that we do. But they've started to export it. And um, since down in South America, you don't have the EPA, you don't have OSHA, you don't have insurance, you don't have any of that stuff. It's cheaper uh, and they basically get the wood for free because they can go in and clear cut the woods and take whatever they want in their path. Uh, Labor is dirt cheap. So it's almost it's cheaper for them to make charcoal down there and ship it two, 3,000 miles up here. And it's still cheaper than what we can produce it for because in Missouri, at least, I mean, we, um, back in the mid-'90s, as soon as the Carnahan family sold their charcoal plant, that's when the EPA came into Missouri and started regulating uh regulating charcoal plants. So all the emissions, you can't have any white smoke coming off a kiln. So all the kilns have to be fired to at least 1500 degrees to burn off all the particulate out of the smoke. And that's very expensive to do, not only the machinery to do it, but the propane and everything to get that temperature hot enough in order to uh, burn all the particulate off. And plus, you got to pay for the wood, you got to <laughs> pay somebody a decent wage, you got to pay for all the, the other stuff that goes along with it. So um, that's the big difference. So the the charcoals that are coming out of there, that's why they can get them over here to the U.S. one so cheap. But the woods that are in them, that's the, the questionable part. I mean, we're using oak and hickory here. That's something that if we under kiln it a little bit, it produces that smoke and you, you taste that oak and hickory. You're already used to that. That's going to be a good that's going to be a good taste. Down there, they're using woods that 
like I said, it's whatever's in their path. They could be woods like Asternium, Garoppa, um, I can't pronounce it, Kibacha, these all these different woods, and they're they're extremely hard. Um, I've got a, a my deck at my house. It's made out of tiger deck. It's a Asternium wood, and it's a Brazilian cashew. This stuff's got a fire rating of concrete. It makes terrific decking. It makes horrible charcoal. <laughs> you know, it's just it's so dense that uh, it, it's hard to get it kilned all the way through. You can't get it carbonized, and if you don't, it's going to have this horrible bitter taste to it if they don't get it right. So, um, and plus they produce charcoal in different ways in different countries. Down there, it's an indigenous kind of culture and they use old beehive kilns. Literally, they, they stack up wood and they, they build a beehive around it, basically out of stone and mud, and that's how they cook it. Uh, over in Europe, they use a lot of retort, which is uh, kind of like big cylinders that they put wood into and you bake it almost. Um, here, we're using... Let's call, of course, the Missouri kiln, and that's known uh, globally. The Missouri kilns, which are concrete, or they can be some of the other ones are steel, but the best charcoal comes out of these big, foot-thick concrete kilns. And I was just going to ask you, you know, what? How do we make charcoal? Like, how? What is that process to make it? So it's in the Missouri kiln, is yes. what you're saying. The Missouri kiln is the way to do it, and so what it looks like is I, I wish I had a picture of it here for you. It kind of looks like a Quonset hut or a, a munitions kind of bunker. It's, it's uh, you know what um, kind of circular roof or um, half moon of a roof, and they're about sixty feet long, forty feet wide. You can stuff about forty cord of wood in there, and it's foot thick concrete walls lined with refractory. And basically, you cram as much wood as you can in there as possible, and you light it off, and you close the doors, and in uh, about seven days, you got charcoal. <laughs> so, what prevents it from all burning, burning up? up. Yeah, because like that—that's—I mean, that's my job—is to burn it up. That you know? is a great question. So, the trick on charcoal is it, it, to understand the process. We're just putting raw wood in there that's that's aged, you know, three to six months to kind of dry it out a little bit, get it down to about an eighteen percent moisture content. And it goes in there, and what you're trying to do is you're burning away everything in that wood that produces smoke or moisture. It's all the tars and the liquors. If you go back to high school biology, the, the xylems, the phloems, all that stuff that's in the wood, everything that isn't carbon, you're trying to get rid of that. And then, so in this process, it lights it off, and people have this kind of notion that it, it's in there cooking with the absence of air, and that's, that's not the case in a Missouri kiln. You're using air. You're, you're burning it. There's no doubt. It's, it's red as can be. So on the side of this kiln, down the sides, there's these little uh, pipes that run into it. And they're about four-by-four four hollow pipes, uh, squares, and they, and they go around the entire base of the kiln. And there's a little flapping door on the edge of them that they've got a wire tied to, and that wire goes inside the kiln and ties around a piece of wood. Well, when that wood cooks hot enough and it cooks everything out, and finally it breaks apart when it's charcoal, it releases that wire and the little door flaps shut. And so it's a fusible link, basically, would be the engineering term for it. And then that little door flaps shut, and it shuts off the oxygen going to that corner of the kiln. That's the same process it's been for 200 years now. And... So basically, when all those little doors shut down, you know that uh, it snuffed the fire out. And that's usually after about 24 to 36 hours. Uh, temperatures get up to 1,500 degrees inside of there, and all those little doors flap shut, and it takes about seven days for it to cool off. And hopefully the fire stops eventually before it burns up all the carbon that's in there. That's the trick, though, burning burning the wood until it gets to the carbon. you got to stop it before it burns the carbon. 
This episode of Sauced on Beer Bourbon Barbecue is brought to you by The Restillery. Are you in the market for a -a one-of-a-kind handmade bourbon lamp? Then you need to check out The Restillery. You can get your favorite whiskey bottle transformed into a -a one-of-a-kind piece that your friends are going to be jealous of. Make sure you check out The Restillery at www.therestillery.com and check them out on Instagram at The Restillery. They have awesome products and lots of great contests that you should enter. Make sure you check out again the Restory. And as a listener of Sauce on Beer Burn Barbecue, make sure you use our special code SAUCE15 to get 15% off your next purchase. Now, let's get back to getting sauced on Beer Burn Barbecue. You obviously know a lot about the industry and what you're doing. Did you did you know a lot about that before you started this? Was it a hobby or an interest of yours, or did you pick that up as you started going? No, no, it was it was strictly a hobby that became, a, and I, I learned more stuff about it every day. And uh, yeah, it's just it was a hobby turned into a, a career. Never the accidental success, I call it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, great. And it's it and it's it's different. I mean, it, it's different in every country. Like I mentioned, the U.S. is very small. Um, and lump charcoal had really kind of died off. Nobody really knew. Everybody had switched over the briquettes. There were so much. Um, they were everywhere, and they were just cheaper and easier to produce. And uh, the only thing that really brought lump charcoal back was the Kamados, the the big green eggs, the Kamado Joes, all those because you got to use you can't use briquettes in them because all the all the ash. But also the orga- organic movement, healthier living movement that people started learning what was in those briquettes. And that's really helped out a lot. And that's something that we sat, set out to do. And I, the other charcoal companies, I mean, we're, we all pretty much stick together. I mean, there's not too much fighting in between. It's kind of like the craft brewery, I, I, brewing industry. It's fun to watch those guys because they all work together. And it's just, it's a neat thing if, if you can stick together. If we can take, if we can take 1% of the people off of briquettes, that's going to double all of our business. I mean, that's it's the briquettes are just so pro- prolific that we just have to take a little bit away from those guys, and uh, we're all going to do well. So there's no reason for us to fight in between us. That's great. So you, you've talked a little bit about it. What are the big advantages between using lump charcoal and briquettes? Mainly, I mean, one, it's, it's the taste. You're not cooking with something that could be have sawed softwood sawdust in it cooking with pine you know you don't want to do that you don't want to cook with something that could have anthracite in it which is going to taste like coal going to have a very uh, acidic or terrible taste to it but also the health benefits of that as well i mean it's stuff that's coming off of that you, the the purpose of charcoal is it's more of a fuel it's not necessarily a taste i mean we have a nice taste that goes along with it but it's very mild it's very mellow if you're cooking with a charcoal that hasn't either been lump charcoal that hasn't been properly carbonized, or it's you know from a really nasty wood like mesquite or one of these um, you know nut woods uh, like Brazilian walnut or something like that, you're gonna not only ruin your food, but you're never gonna taste any of the smoking woods that you're using. If you're using smoky charcoal, you never taste that apple that you're using. All you're gonna taste is the charcoal. So. I mean, that's the taste and the health benefits. That's the main thing. The other thing is, as like I mentioned before with the Kamados, the ash content. Our 20-pound bag is about carbonized to about 85%. That bag has over 250,000 BTUs in it, and it cooks down to much ash that can fit in about 
if you cup your hands together, about oh, about th two to three cups of ash is what it cooks down to. Because in the process, all of that stuff's been cooked out of it. Uh, so everything, most everything, 85% of what's in that bag is going to burn up. That's the thing. And then your ability to run either a very hot temperature, you know, if you're doing pizzas in the big green egg, you can fire that thing up to 1300, 1500 degrees, or you can run it down low at 150 if you want to. Lump charcoal is very adaptable on that. Um, the other advantage, especially with a, a Kamado style cooker or a, a really tight cooker is that you can close the lid and close your draft doors and everything. It snuffs out the fire and you can use it again. Hmm. If you didn't cook through all of that lump, it's going to fire up and use again. You can't do that with a briquette. Briquette's going to fall apart because the binders in it have been fired. You cooked out the moisture out of that starch and now it's just going to turn to ash. So you got to clean out the grill every time when you're using those briquettes because they're not holding together. Lump you can use over and over and over again until it's burned up. That's crazy you say that too, because like I know I have an offset smoker, so I'll use all your stuff in my offset, yeah. and I'll go back, like, you know, after I start everything, and I still have charcoal in there. <laughs> and like I'm like, oh, cool, I got more to use. You know, like it, it works out, you know. I'm sure you'd rather me burn it all up so I'd get to buy more bags of your I want you to buy the biggest cooker out there. <laughs> yeah, burn it up every time. Uh, yeah, so... Until this last year, I, I only used briquettes because I didn't I didn't even know what lump charcoal was to look for it, um, and I assumed that they were the same, and obviously they're not. And I, I got a bag. I, Rockwood was the first bag I got. I think I still have that bag. I haven't been, been able to do as much cooking as I'd like. you got to get on that. I know. I know. It's been a crazy year. I'll, I'll do more, I promise. Um, but there, I noticed a big difference in the way it burned and the way I needed to use it in the grill to cook with it. Um what is what's the best advice you can give on the best way to use it like how do you use lump charcoal that's different if you're used to using briquettes the first thing you got to notice with lump charcoal is is that it's gonna it can burn a lot hotter so if you've got a drafty grill or if you're cooking on a like an open style park you find in a park or something like that you've got to use less lump charcoal because it's so porous that it basically burns. It doesn't burn from the inside out, but it burns 100% of it's burning at the same time. It's so porous, whereas a briquette is pressed together. It's got to burn from the outside in. So if you dump that 10 pounds of it into one of those park-style grills, you're going to have a fiery inferno. You're not going to be able to get within 10 feet of this thing without burning yourself. Uh, so you use less of it. It's, it all comes down to the BTUs and how many BTUs you need to use. So if you're um, kind of get used to using less of it, you've got to play around maybe a little bit with the spacing of how far your grill is from your, from your cooking surface. And that could be a really good thing if you're looking to sear. But if you're not looking to sear, you've got to figure out ways to do indirect and things like that. Um, the biggest uh, people pro problem people have, though, to start out with is the lighting. And everybody is used to using that damn lighter fluid. And that stuff is you are cooking your food over a kerosene byproduct, the stuff that we used to use in jet fuel in that helicopter. That's the byproduct of it is this, this lighter fluid stuff. And uh, that is a terrible, terrible product. And you'll see the uh, black smoke coming off of it. You can get away with it on briquettes because the briquette doesn't soak it up. It burns from the outside. So, you, But lump charcoal, if you look at it, it's very much like a sponge it'll suck that lighter fluid up and it won't get rid of it. So you just absolutely cannot use that on lump charcoal. So different ways of lighting. You guys want to talk about that? Yeah, let's yeah. go. Let's dive okay. in. I was going to ask about that anyway. Lighting. Okay. <laughs> the the best way, and I should, my lawyer will probably freak out when I tell you this, or the insurance agent will, torch. 
Light fire with fire. That is the best way that you can do it. The uh, big weed burner from Harbor, Harbor Freight. Not only is it fun to use, but uh, that is the best way to light. Do it under parent supervision, right? Exactly. You know, and, like your wife. Have your I, wife out there to with make the sure. fire extinguisher. Yeah. Um, no, seriously. On that though, definitely, if you are going to use a torch, wear glasses or and or gloves because it'll can let some sparks out of there. Don't do it on a wood deck. Don't do it next to dry leaves. Come on, you're playing with fire here. Uh, so be very careful if you are going to use that. But that is the most effective way to get that lump charcoal lit or any charcoal for that matter uh plus those weed burners i use that thing around the house all the time i mean those things are that's a great tool to have but you can also use a regular torch that you use for sweat and pipe um you can use a chimney starter those are fine too and the only thing with chimney starters is if you've got a, a kamado you've already the kamado is its own chimney starter you don't really need to do you don't need to use that but chimney starters work great use the paper in the bottom or something you can use a paper towel with a little bit of uh cooking oil on it uh you can take uh cotton balls and soak them in in uh rubbing alcohol you can use potato chips to light it potato chips are are a fantastic way to use, use old greasy potato chips to light stuff there's um Heat guns, you know, you've, I've, I've heard of the Luft lighter. Uh, that's, uh, I, I know Richard Luft. He's a, he's a neat guy. Those work great. Um, heat guns. Basically, here, here's the thing. All you got to do, you're getting the charcoal, the surface of the charcoal up to um, 673 degrees. That's the temperature where it lights off. So as long as you can get it up to that temperature by means of holding a flame to it or holding something else to it or applying heat to it, it'll start to light and it'll start to go on its own. I know with you guys using as much wood and all that kind of stuff for all your products and all that, I, I was reading on your website, you guys do a really cool thing with your environmental impact as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, your whole environmental process and all that kind of stuff? So as I mentioned, all the wood comes from the wood that's too knotty or warped to be made into hardwood lumber, flooring, furniture, all that kind of stuff. So it's wood that's not going to be used for anything else. Uh, so it comes to the charcoal industry. There's no way you could afford in the U.S. to take down a tree for charcoal anyway. So for every uh, six pounds of wood, you get about a pound of charcoal out of it. So every time wood goes up, you know, a little bit, you feel it six times on the charcoal side. But um, that's it's wood that's not going to be used anyway. And then, like I said, the Missouri regulates. You got to have the smoke burners in there. It's uh, it's a five figure fine a day if they see white smoke coming off a kiln, the DNR does, yeah. So all of that, it's it's crystal clear smoke coming out of those uh, those burners down there, out of the kilns. And then uh, everything else that's a byproduct of our production, the lump charcoal, it's all the pieces that are less than three-quarter to one inch, that all gets sifted out, and that's what we call the fines. The fines can be sold for any number of uses. Uh, they can be sold for um, charcoal briquettes, but right now, that's uh, if they're getting anthracite for free, they don't really want to pay for charcoal fines. Uh, there's the agricultural use of charcoal fines is something that we've really, really, really tried to get into, and it just hasn't caught on yet in the U.S. It's called a product called biochar. It's been used in foreign countries down in um, the Amazon. Used it. The Amazonians used it back in uh, two, three thousand years ago, and those. Longer than that, I, I can't go back in long, long time ago. It gets mixed into the soil, and it provides basically a microhabitat for all these little critters that live down in the soil. The charcoal does because it's so porous. At the same time, it basically it it kind of it makes the soil very uh, tillable. 
you can reach down and just till it by hand because it's it's almost the, the powder is like a graphite. So most of the carbon emissions that come out of soil come through tilling it every year. If you've got soil that's very well aerated and everything with charcoal in it, you don't need to till it. So that's a product that, and they, they in Europe, they only use that. In the U.S., they allow you to use all kinds of chemicals and everything. In Europe, they don't allow that stuff anymore, and biochar is really big over there. So we've really tried to get into that market. I had Ms. University of Missouri do a lot of research for us and uh, gave them a big grant, a whole truckload of charcoal to use for it, and it's the results are phenomenal. Hmm. But uh, it just hasn't caught on yet. And when it does, it'll be pretty neat. But um, then the other thing, too, the third use for those fines, um, animal feed. We sell those that sells, it gets mixed in with uh, pig and chicken food and, and things like that. It uh, calms their stomach. Hmm. It absorbs the toxins in their stomach and it allows people to make better fertilizer and that kind of thing. And to prove that it worked. I took a bunch of charcoal vines and I ground them up in my wife's Vitamix. I got in trouble for that. <laughs> and I encapsulated them into pills and I started taking them. And I was taking this charcoal, uh, this charcoal supplements for a couple months just to prove I could. Because if it's good enough for a pig or a chicken, it's good enough for me. So I, I didn't die. And uh, that, was my, that was my sales pitch when I was selling that stuff. I, mean, I, I eat this stuff all the time. That's cool. That's Try cool. charcoal vines. I didn't die. Yeah. That's a bumper sticker right there for you. There you go. <laughs> um, we're in your office, and it's really cool because you don't just offer charcoal as well. You have a whole rack over there of smoking woods and things like that as well. That That's new for you, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, that was last summer. Uh, we had a bunch of stores here in St. Louis that were uh, – they lost their source farm here. The, the guy went out of uh, business, so they asked me to get into it, and – didn't necessarily want to, but it, uh, it, I, I, I decided to do it and it's been successful. And we started selling them on the website. We started shipping them out of side of St. Louis and it's something else that we do. Yeah. So we've got, uh, apple, cherry, peach are the three fruit woods. And then we've got maple, hickory, and pecan in chips and chunks. And then this year, um, hopefully getting into grilling planks, um, and then getting into some other, uh, some other products as well to put the Rockwood name on it. That's cool. That's really cool. Is there one that you like the best? I I like the least popular one of all of them, and that's maple. Uh, nobody around here uses maple, but uh, when I go out and travel around and meet with other dealers, when I'm out in uh, Colorado, that's all they use out there. It, it is maple is huge out there, and it just hasn't caught in or caught on around here. It's it's uh, the apple and the hickory is the biggest with the consumers. And then the uh, pecan and the cherry is the biggest with the uh, the competitors and the pros. And then peach sells when we've got it. It's kind of a neat thing. It's it's hard to get though. But uh, the maple, yeah, nobody's on the maple yet. But that's my that's my mission to kind of get. So what what does that maple provide? Because like I mean, this is the first I'm hearing of using maple. So like what what does that? It it smells like pancakes. I mean it that that maple syrup smell to it when you're cooking it. It's not as. Uh, it's not as harsh as, you know, like pecan is hickory's milder cousin, basically. Well, imagine maple even milder than that, not as bitter. But it doesn't have a real kind of fruity taste to it. It's just a real nice light wood taste. And it's great on pork. It's great on fish. I mean, it, it, you can use it for everything. It's kind of like cherry. You know, cherries, a, you can use cherry on anything. It's going to taste good. Maple's the same way. I love it. I think it's great. But, uh, yeah, just uh, one of these days. I'm hoping that will catch on, too, The people get more into maple. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Jonathan, thanks for having us out today. I mean, like, 
I learned so much about charcoal that I, I never knew. Um, you have a great product. Where can people get your product at? Our product, um, anywhere in the country, we're going to be available in Ace Hardware. Uh, you can go there. Uh, we're starting to ship now to True Values on everything east of the Mississippi. Um, that'll grow as time goes on as well with Do It Best. And then uh, online, you can go on our website, rockwoodcharcoal.com. You can order online. That's kind of not the best way to do it. If you can get it locally through one of our dealers, you can go on our website and it'll show you all of our local dealers across the country. We've got another hundreds of them, uh, mostly big green egg dealers and other uh, fine butcher shops and things like that to carry our product. And that's find one of those or find an ace and try to buy it locally. Because when we got to put it in that box and give it to the UPS man, it does not fare well uh, as it does on the pallet. Uh, lump charcoal is very breakable it's very uh, brittle so if you want it in the best shape buy it local okay and then if, if you want to pay the most for it uh you can go on amazon but again don't don't uh don't do that you're gonna you're gonna overpay for it because we got to then pay amazon so how much does a bag of lump charcoal normally go for like because you know like you said the briquettes are obviously cheap but you're getting yes in st louis um usually about 20 bucks around here because We've got a delivery route. You don't have to figure in shipping. Any, anywhere outside of St. Louis, because of the shipping to get it to people, it's going to be 25 to $27 a bag at your local dealers. If you're buying it online, uh, it is ridiculously expensive to send via UPS, and it can be anywhere up to 40 bucks a bag if you're buying it on Amazon. But it's good quality, and you're getting the best quality. I you're going to get the most BTUs per bag. You're going to get very highly carbonized lump, and it's going to be the most consistent that you're going to get that's going to be from bag to bag. Um, you know, big companies that have a lot of charcoal plants may be the same bag, but it's going to change from bag to bag. Ours comes out of the same kilns every single time, and we try to get it as close as possible consistently every single bag as we can with an all-natural product. Well, I mean... I thank you again. Thanks for having us here. Um, you make a great product. I think all of our listeners need to go out. They need to support your company. They need to buy your charcoal. Um, I, I go through like six bags a year of it. Um, That's so not enough. You got to. I, I, I realize it's not enough. My wife is, you know, she's she's in charge of the the checkbook, so okay. I can only get what she tells me. But uh, I would totally recommend it uh, to Definitely. all of our listeners. It is well worth it. I mean. So thank you very much for having us. Thanks for uh, talking with us, educating us on uh, charcoal. It's been awesome. So Thanks for coming out and visiting. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have Instagram too, right? Yes, our Instagram page. We just hit 11,000 followers on that. Uh, everybody seems to be uh, really enjoying that, what Josh is doing out there with it. And we, uh, if you're using our product, please take a picture of uh, what you're cooking. You don't have to have our bag in it. Just take a picture of what you're cooking and put a tag in there, the at Rockwood Charcoal or however you do that. I'm not too familiar yeah. with Instagram, but please do that, and Josh will be on it immediately, and we want to share it. We want to show people what you're doing out there with our with our charcoal, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really cool. Plus, we have a lot of contests and things like that that people really get into. Yeah, I there. just saw the mystery box. The mystery box. Oh, oh yeah. I was that so was... mad. I was like, oh, I'm hoping to win. Like, I had, I was, uh, yeah, I but. Captain Ron down in Florida won that, and uh, he did a he did a really neat uh, video when he opened that box up and showed everybody that was in it. That was, it was so much fun to watch <laughs> That's that. That's cool. Yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was so cool that you guys do that. So, it's definitely worth following, you know, so rock, at rock with charcoal, right? Correct, yes. Cool, 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 cool. Well, that concludes this episode um alex how can people get a hold of you and follow you on the 
the interwebs yeah i'm still on instagram at the dot alex dot experiment and see what i'm up to and hopefully i'll be using a lot more rockwood this year more yeah. time for grilling smoking you've got a house now so you can do that that's right um and i'm kevin you can follow me at beer underscore bourbon underscore barbecue you can check out our website www.shopbeerbourbonbarbecue.com get an amazing t-shirt um jonathan again thanks for having us today thanks for sharing your knowledge and we hope you stay sauced on beer bourbon and barbecue Thank you.